We're in Genesis 48. We'll be looking at the first nine verses. Been going through the life of Jacob and Joseph, and it's been an interesting tour. But in verse 27 of chapter 47, it tells us Israel dwells in the land of Goshen. Not Jacob's family, which happens to be the same ones, but Israel. Israel is a name that is given by God to Jacob. And now God gives that name to a nation, to a people. Notice he doesn't call them Jacobites <laughs> or, or whatever, but they're Israel. And Israel means, of course, governed by God. And God is beginning to take ownership of this family, of this people, and he will build them into a nation. We go by the label Christians today, and that's a broad label because <laughs> we're known as a Christian nation, yet we find that a little difficult to swallow sometimes. But to be a Christian is simply to be a follower of Christ. But whether an Israelite or a Christian, we are known as God's people. So let's read the last few verses of chapter 47 before we get into 48. We'll read verses 27 through 31 of chapter 47. So Israel dwelled in the land of Egypt, in the country of Goshen, and they had possessions there, and they grew, and they multiplied exceedingly. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But let me lie with my fathers. You shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. Then he said, Swear to me. And he swore to him. So Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed. Jacob has had the privilege of living 17 years knowing his son is alive. The son that he thought was dead. And that was a comfort to Jacob. I'm a goal-oriented person, and I'm trying to learn how to enjoy the pilgrimage that God has me on. I'm trying to smell the roses along the way. They're overrated, by the way, those roses. But I'm trying to learn to smell the roses. I have seven beautiful grandchildren who are great joy to my life, Lori Stu. But Gracie, our oldest grandchild, is now a teenager. Yet we still love her. <laughs> and it was only yesterday that Gracie was a toddler in uh, what joy we had with her being our first grandchild as we would watch her grow and learn. And I'm trying to appreciate the time of my life right now as a doting grandfather and as a pastor. 
But God has been more than faithful. I'm here to testify. God has been more than faithful to me and to my family. And I'm not a young man, but hopefully I'm not over the hill yet either, you know. There is one lady in our fellowship, and I won't mention names, who tries to take me beyond the years that I already am. Who says things like, Pastor Don, you've been 69 for five years now. And that's cruel. That's very cruel. But back to Jacob. <laughs> His time has come for him to die. And Jacob, he calls for Joseph, his firstborn of Rachel, who would have been his firstborn of his chosen wives, had not Laban pulled the old switcheroo on him and gave him Leah. But Jacob wants Joseph to swear that he will not bury him in Egypt. And he says, Joseph, place your hand under my thigh and swear to me. And that was a peculiar custom, by the way, putting your hand under someone's thigh, and we won't get into all the ramifications of that. But Joseph obeys, and he swears to Jacob, Jacob, he desperately wants his remains, his body, to be buried in the land of promise, not in Egypt. So let's read the first nine verses of chapter 48. Now it came to pass after these things that Joseph was told, Indeed, your father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob was told, Look, your son Joseph is coming to you. And Israel strengthened himself and sat up on his bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Cana and blessed me. And he said, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you. I will make you a multitude of people and give you this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. And now your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine. As Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. Your offspring whom you begat after them shall be yours. They will be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. But as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died beside me in the land of Cana on the way, when there was but a little distance to go to Ephra. And I buried her there on the way to Ephra, that is, Bethlehem. Then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Please bring them to me, and I will bless them. Jacob, he is about to die. And he's fading fast, and he knows he's about to die. And now let me give you a truism you can take from here this morning. Most of us will die from the last thing that we were sick of. See? You didn't think you were going to learn anything here this morning. There you go. But Jacob, now he will recite God's promise to him, and he will recite it to Joseph and to anybody else that's listening there to his family. When he was leaving home, when he was going up to Haran, to Uncle Laban's, Luz, which is another name for Bethel, Jacob, 
remembers God's promise to him there at Bethel. Jacob, he's an old man, and he's come full circle. As a young man, Jacob deceived his father Isaac. You know the story. He deceived him to receive the birthright. Then he had to flee because of the wrath of his brother Esau because of this deception. Now Jacob, he's 147 years old. That's old. <laughs> and he proclaims the promises that were given to him by God over 100 years back. Verse 4, Jacob's, he's able to see the faithfulness of God to experience God's blessings. He's seeing his children grow up before him. His grandchildren are being born. Even his great-grandchildren are being born. And he is blessed to see this. But Jacob now lives in Egypt. And therefore, Jacob has made Joseph swear, do not bury me here in Egypt, but carry me to the land of promise that God promised to me. Canaan of Israel, the promised land, it's still in the process, even today, of becoming Israel's possession. Now there's, when prophecies are given, there's usually a short fulfillment that comes about right away and usually a longer fulfillment that will come in years to past. And Jacob remembers God's promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to himself. And now Jacob makes Joseph swear, do not bury me here in Egypt, but carry my body to the promised land. That has not always been Jacob's attitude. So turn back to Genesis 28, and we'll look a little bit at what God said to Jacob in his dream of Jacob's ladder. Genesis 28, and we'll look at verses 10 through 22. It's good to go back and look because then we get to see how God has brought Jacob full circle. Verse 10 of 28. Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached into the heavens. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and south. And in you and in all your seeds, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from the sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at his head, and he set up it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up as a pillar shall be God's house, and all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. We have here the infamous Jacob's ladder dream. The ladder is more like a giant escalator than a ladder. There are many angels that are ascending and descending upon this giant, what I call stairway, that reaches up into the heavens. And God speaks to Jacob in verse 13. I am the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. And the land where you are lying, I will give to you and your descendants. And God also promises to be with Jacob wherever he goes and God even promises to bring Jacob back to the land to the promised land and Jacob remembers God's promise to him as he lies near death in Egypt so by faith Jacob makes his son Joseph swear do not bury me here but carry me back to the promised land for my burial. But I want us to look at verses 20 and 21 of chapter 28 there for a moment. We hear Jacob put conditions on God's promise to him. If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then, here's what I'm going to do for you, God. I'm going to allow you to be my God. <laughs> and we have one of the most compassionate uh, miracles of the Bible right here. God does not destroy Jacob for saying this. <laughs> I am amazed at God's patience with myself, and I'm amazed at my, God's patience with Jacob. But Jacob, he's a young man, and he's full of pride, even though he flees his father's house because of his lies and deceptions, he will now give God a break and allow God to be his Lord on his conditions. The audacity of that is overwhelming. But we see a lot of people lifted up in pride all around us. Wednesday of this past week was National Signing Day for college uh, football. All the great high school stars were signing their letters of intent on Wednesday. Alabama, some of you have heard of them, happened to have the number one class in the nation, had to say it. Anyway, these high school stars, many of whom they had cameras in their face, national TV cameras, and they make their school of choice on camera. LSU, they signed the number one 
recruit in the nation, which happened to be a running back from New Orleans. And this coverage goes on all day long as to where these high school athletes will play football. And athlete after athlete, they put the camera on them, and they're, invariably they want to thank everybody for they tell you who they chose. So they thank God, and they thank their parents, and they thank their coaches, and they thank everybody. And then they say things like, I'm going to take my talents to the university of whatever. And this goes on for hours on Wednesday. And finally, one of the commentators <laughs> on, the, on the TV, he, he remarked, after today, real life sets in for these high school athletes. They've signed their letter of intent, but now all of these stars must earn a starting position on their college team. And that's the truth. And many of these prima donna high school stars will never achieve the notoriety that they so desire in college because the level of competition moves up tremendously. Jacob has said in the foolishness of his youth, if God will be with me, if God will watch over me, if God will protect me, and if God will be with me wherever I choose to go, feed me when I'm hungry, give me clothes to wear, bring me back to home in peace, even though Esau, my brother, hates me, then I'm going to let God be my Lord. What a deal. Where does God sign up for Jacob? <laughs> Jacob, he's laying out the ground rules for God to fulfill for him to be his God. That is tremendous pride. And it would be very humorous. We would look at Jacob and almost laugh if it wasn't so tragically true. We read this and we see that God is full of grace and he's full of mercy. But now you fast forward, it's a hundred years later. Time has passed in Jacob's life. And now he's an old man, and he's about to die. And his thinking and his attitude have come full circle. And Jacob makes Joseph his son swear, do not let me be buried here in Egypt. Take me to the promised land. And it's taken Jacob a lifetime to realize God promises they're true, they're faithful, and they are good. And to Jacob's credit, he truly desires the promises of God to be fulfilled. He makes Joseph swear, do not bury me here in Egypt. Take me out of here once I'm dead. And I wonder, have you and I learned that the promises of God, they're true, they're good, and they are faithful. Not only that, they're full of joy. True joy lies in serving the living God. And in my own life, I'm, 
I had a similar attitude that Jacob had when I was a young man. And here was my attitude. I was going to give God a break and serve him. <laughs> Who was God giving the break to? But anyway, Jacob, he had to suffer many difficulties. He said of Laban, his father-in-law, his uncle, he's changed my wages ten times. You ever had your wages changed? For the worse. <laughs> ten times Jacob had Laban changed his wages for the worse. Laban, his uncle, Laban, his father-in-law, was more than Jacob's match in deception and conniving. Finally, Jacob, he can't tolerate Laban anymore, and he flees and he leaves the area of Haran. And on his way back to Canaan, he encounters the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, and he wrestles all night long with Jesus. What a stubborn man. All he's wanting from Jesus, though, in that wrestling match is, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Kind of a turnaround. And now ja Jacob desperately wants God to bless him. And he doesn't set conditions on that blessing anymore. It's no longer, I will serve you if, God. Just bless me, God, and you've got me. What a change. And it's taken him a hundred years to come to that point. There's probably someone here today, like Jacob, maybe all of us, <laughs> still trying to negotiate with God, is his will the best for my life? Is anybody struggling with that? Am I the only one that struggles with that? <laughs> uh, I'm here to tell you, let it go. Be like Jacob. Let God be Lord of your life. And then you will enjoy the times of refreshing that come from serving God who has good plans for you. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. When worship doesn't go long, I don't go long. I just fall right into the routine. It was a short sermon today. <laughs> so, but let's pray. Father God. Thank you, first of all, Lord, for granting us salvation. We will go throughout eternity just rejoicing in the fact that we're, we're saved and we have heaven as our home. And that will never grow old or tired in our hearts, Lord. We are grateful that you've given us eternal life. But now, Lord, here we are. We're on this side of what we call eternity. And we want to live for you. And Lord, I don't want to be like Jacob. I don't want to struggle against your will my entire life. So Lord, all I can do is today offer my life to you. Here, take it, Lord. Use me as you see fit. And Lord, overpower my resistance, I pray. Just cause me to be obedient to you.
for I want my life to make a difference in your kingdom. So be with us, Lord, and I'm sure that's the prayer of everyone here, Lord. We want our life to make a difference, a difference to our relatives, a difference to our friends, a difference in this world. So take us and use us for your glory, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.